Chapter Sixteen of the Diamond Pin by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sixteen, kidnapped again. As Stone surmised, Iris was kidnapped again. When she leaned down to gather in her arms the little yelping dog, a figure sprang from the shrubbery and pressing a cloth into and over her mouth, a man lifted her from the ground and carried her swiftly away iris was a slender girl and the man had no difficulty in carrying her to a small motor-car which was waiting out in the main road the dusk rendered them nearly invisible and the detention of stone by lucile precluded what might have been a capture of the invader placed in the car iris recognized at once that it was the same one in which she had been carried off before and she well knew it was for the same purpose to get possession of the pin but now that stone had told her it was valuable she had no mind to let it go easily she sat quietly as the car flew along thinking hard what she would better do she knew stone would follow and rescue her if he had heard any signs of her departure but the car made little noise and the whole affair had been so quickly accomplished that iris feared stone knew nothing of it all she assumed that he would naturally follow her out of doors to learn what had happened to her pet dog but he might not hasten on that errand and a delay of a minute would make his advent of small use to her they had gone a mile or so when the car turned into a little used path through the woods another man was driving the car and her captor sat in the back with iris he still held her and kept the cloth which smelt faintly of chloroform over her mouth at last when well into the woods the car stopped and the man got out and ordered iris to get out too her mind was made up now she meant secretly to draw the pin from her belt and drop it on the ground it was running a risk of losing it but it was a worse risk to have this man take it from her and too after fibsy's successful search of the coal-bin she felt pretty sure the boy could find the pin in the woods she was carefully noting the trees and stones about when the low voice of her tormentor said you will hand that pin over at once if you please i'll do no such thing iris retorted with spirit i am not afraid of you nor have you reason to be if you give up the pin quietly otherwise you will find yourself in a sorry predicament i haven't the pin with me declared iris feeling the falsehood justifiable in the circumstances i regret to contradict a lady but i don't believe you the man was masked but iris recognized his voice and form as she well knew it was the man who had intruded upon her in her aunt's room that night and she was sure it was the man who had instigated the kidnapping and search by flossie moreover she realized it was the man she had seen in chicago she felt an anxiety to detain him and somehow to get him in the grip of the law but she could think of no way to do that she dared not take the pin from her belt for his eyes were upon her and the dusk though deepening left sufficient light for him to observe her movements now look here he said speaking more roughly there's no flossie here you don't want me to take all the pins you have in your clothing do you this suggestion and the threatening tone of the man frightened iris more than all that had gone before she was not afraid of physical violence something in the man's manner precluded that but she sensed his desperate determination to secure the pin and she knew he would search her clothing for it if she refused to hand it over also she knew there was small use in trying to fool him since stone had verified the fact that there was something about that special pin that made it of value since this man had tried devious ways to get it and since she was absolutely at his mercy the outlook was pretty black 
a vague hope that fleming stone would come to her rescue was not well founded for how could he know that the car that carried her off had turned into that little woodland road she thought of appealing to the manliness or better nature of her enemy but she knew that he would only reply that if she would give him the pin he would not trouble her further an idea of asking help from the man who was in the driver's seat of the car brought only the same conclusion come now said pollock for it was by that name she thought of him i can't waste any more time if you don't give me that pin in two seconds i'll take it don't you dare exclaimed iris trying the effect of sheer bravado two seconds i'll give you and they've passed you needn't scream for we're far from any habitation he came nearer to her and touched the frail that was about the neck of her gown iris was at her wit's end she knew she would give up the pin rather than have him search her clothing for it and yet she meant to put off her surrender as long as possible his own words gave her a hint and though knowing it could do no good she screamed loud and long the sound infuriated the man and he sprang at her grasping her round the waist stop that he cried stop or i'll kill you his fingers were at her throat and his frenzy was such that iris feared he would carry out his threat on a sudden impulse but the strangle-hold he had on her brought his body near hers and by chance iris's hand was flung against his side-coat pocket where she felt what was indubitably an automatic pistol pretending to faint she let her head sink backward and he involuntarily put his hand back of her neck to support her with a quick motion she snatched the pistol from his pocket without his knowledge exultant and feeling herself safe iris commanded him to release her he only laughed and she whispered faintly let me go and i'll her voice died away as if from weakness and he partially released his hold on her which freed entirely her right arm with a wrench she stepped back and aiming the automatic at him she said quietly step toward me and i'll fire with a profane exclamation pollock clapped his hand to his side pocket and fell back a pace or two you little vixen he cried give me that you'll harm yourself oh no i won't but i'll harm you unless you give your driver orders to take me straight back home i shall make this little weapon give good account of itself from where iris now stood she covered the two men and her manner showed no signs of fear as she calmly informed them that a move on the part of either would be followed by a shot and she said while i'm not an expert i can manage to hit at this short range come come now let's arbitrate said pollock who evidently knew when he was cornered give me the pin and i'll go halves with you halves of what of the treasure oh don't pretend you don't know all about it didn't that old smarty cat you've got on the job tell you what the pin means if he did you don't know said iris talking blindly for she could make no guess why the pin was a factor in the case at all don't i i'm the only one who does know your stone detective can never get a sense worth of good out of that pin without my help i'm the only one on earth who knows its secret or who can turn it to use so now miss will you make terms wait you needn't take my word for this will you agree that if you return safe home with your precious pin and when your precious detective fails to utilize the pin's secret you'll let me disclose it to you and you'll give me half the value of the jewels i most certainly will not then listen i swear to you that you will never find those hidden jewels only i can tell you what the pin means and how it leads to your aunt's fortune 
refuse my offer and neither you nor anyone else will ever see one tiniest gem of your aunt's hoard there was something in the man's voice that carried conviction iris was a good reader of human nature and a surety of his truthfulness came over her but she was far from willing to accede to his terms i do not entirely disbelieve you she said but i most certainly will not give you the pin you said you didn't have it you interrupted me i was about to say i will not give it to you even after my return home then we'll take it now come on bob evading the pointed pistol by a quick jump pollock dashed it from iris's hand having really caught her off her guard as she grew interested in their conversation the driver bob sprang toward them both and they seized iris between them a terrific scream from the girl rang through the silent woods and as the pistol struck the ground it went off with a fairly loud report iris felt her senses going as the two men clutched her roughly but managed in spite of a restraining hand to give another loud scream and it was these sounds that guided Pipsy's flying feet toward the scene of conflict he had come with stone in the car that the detective had used to follow iris from pelbrook but as no one knew which way to look for the kidnapper's car they had separated and stone with campbell went hunting the high roads while Pipsy, scenting the truth had dived into the wood he had heard iris's last scream also the noise of the automatic and he blew a loud blast on a shrill whistle as he hurried to the girl nearing the three Pipsy's quick eyes saw the pistol on the ground and he snatched it up and aimed it straight at the masked man hands up he cried and pollock turned to see a small but dauntless-looking boy threatening him again endangered by his own firearm pollock stood at bay raging but impotent in the face of the steady aim of the boy in another moment stone came with campbell in the pell car and iris breathed freely once more as she felt stealthily for the pin in her belt ribbon it was safe and she sank down on the ground satisfied to let the newcomers take charge of the whole matter this they did with neatness and dispatch bidding Fibsy keep the two men covered with the small but efficacious weapon stone and campbell tied the hands of pollock and his man bob using the dust robe from pollock's car cut into strips for the purpose then they bundled them unceremoniously into their own car and stone himself took the wheel campbell drove iris home but Fibsy travelled with his chief the boy was thrilling with satisfaction at the way things were turning out and not at all vainglorious over his own part in the affair stone turned the two men over to the police on a charge of kidnapping and then elated returned to pelbrook how can i be grateful enough to you iris cried at the sight of the detective for coming to my aid and fibsy too oh what should i have done if you hadn't arrived just as you did but how did you know where we were i didn't said stone it was Fibsy's idea that the man would take to the woods but your screams and the noise of the revolver led us at the last i congratulate you miss clyde on a pretty narrow escape those men were desperate oh i know it pollock began by being fairly courteous but when i wouldn't give up the pin he grew rough and rude miss clyde we must look out for that pin though now that the one who wants it is in safe keeping himself there's not so much danger but he may have clever assistance by the way there's no doubt that this so-called pollock is charlie young hughes is putting him through a third degree and i think we need not concern ourselves about him just now he won't escape from his present quarters easily this child must go to bed now said lucille darrell with an affectionate glance at iris 
she's had enough to upset any ordinary set of nerves and she must rest yes miss clyde go now and i think if you leave the pin with me i'll keep it safely and moreover to-morrow morning i'll tell you its secret oh tell me now please do mr stone what can it be that makes it a key to the jewel's hiding-place not to-night indeed i don't yet know its secret myself but i hope to find it out if i may i'll stay alone in mrs bell's sitting-room for a time until i puzzle it out iris reluctantly went off with lucile and the detective locked himself in the room where mrs bell had met her tragic death he had as his working implements the pin a strong magnifying glass a thick pad of paper and a lead pencil as the first streaks of dawn began to show in the eastern heavens fleming stone had as results of his night's work forty or fifty scribbled pages of the pad all of which were in the waste-basket a small remaining stub of lead pencil and the pin and the magnifying glass also he had a heavy heart and a feeling of despair and dejection he went to his room for a few hours sleep before breakfast time and when he met the family at table he said shortly finding a needle in a haystack is child's play compared to the task ahead of us he refused to explain until after breakfast and then iris and lucile went with him to the sitting-room and the door was closed upon them fibsy was there too as the boy was never excluded from important conferences stone locked the door and then said impressively the diamond pin bequeathed you by your aunt miss clyde form a far more valuable inheritance than any diamond pin i have ever seen i congratulate you on the possession of the pin and i ask you where the dime is gracious i don't know replied iris i threw it out of the window the day i received it and i've never thought of it since the pin is a key to the hiding-place of the jewels as i will explain fully in a few minutes stone proceeded but it may be necessary to recover the dime also before we can utilize the information given us by the pin iris looked bewildered but repeated her statement as to the whereabouts of the dime and again stone said the dime may be of no importance in the matter i'm inclined to think it is not because pollock or young rather made no effort to gain possession of the dime did he no i think not the first day he called on me as mr pollock and wanted the pin i told him he might search the lawn for the dime if he chose but i don't think he did so i'll find the dime if it's out in the side yard fibsy volunteered now i'll tell you what this pin is resumed stone holding up the mysterious bit of brass it contains a cipher a cryptogram how can it asked iris blankly on the head of this pin is engraved a series of letters which form a cipher message telling of the hiding-place of your aunt's jewels on the head of that little pin impossible it does seem impossible but i assure you that on the surface of the head of this pin there are thirty-nine letters which meaningless in themselves form a cipher statement if we can solve their message if we can cried iris we must you bet mr stone will work it out if it's a cipher fibsy declared looking with pride and confidence at his employer's face not so easy fibs stone returned it's a cryptogram which necessitates another bit of information a keyword before it can possibly be solved by the way miss clyde that's what your aunt's diary means by its reference to the jewels being hidden in a crypt if you read her diary carefully you'll see that she very frequently abbreviates her words not only t u e s for tuesday and d e c for december but other words just as the whim took her so as we may conclude the word crypt stands for cryptogram and here's the cryptogram 
now to explain this seemingly miraculous feat of engraving thirty-nine letters on the head of an ordinary pin i'll say that it is not an unheard-of accomplishment several years ago i saw on exhibition a pin with forty-five letters to it and i have seen one or two other similar marvels they are done in every instance by a most expert engraver who has much time and infinite patience and capacity for carefulness indeed it is an art all by itself and i doubt if there are many people in the world who could accomplish it at all can you show them to me iris asked her eyes wide with wonder oh yes you can see them with this glass though even with its aid you may have difficulty in making out the letters iris looked long and carefully through the powerful lens and finally declared that she could discern the letters but could not read them clearly stone passed the pin and glass to miss darrell and continued i spent nearly the whole night over it i have copied off the letters so now if the pin should be stolen at least we have its secret though i confess the secret is still a secret let me see it begged Pipsy, as miss darrell gave up the effort to make out the letters at all the younger eyes of the boy read them with comparative ease o i n v l d l he spelled out sounds like gibberish but all ciphers do that why mr stone the letters are clear enough and you can read any cipher that ever was made up i'll bet you know you first see what letters used most and that's e hold on terence not so fast that's one kind of a cipher to be sure but this is another sort these are the letters o i n v l d l q p s v t h p j r c r n o x x i v b a y o d i j y a w w k m e u there's no division into words which of course makes it infinitely more difficult aunt ursula was crazy over ciphers exclaimed iris she was always making them up but she always called them ciphers never cryptograms or perhaps i might have thought that crypt was an abbreviation but can't you guess it mr stone one doesn't guess ciphers they must be solved and this one is of that peculiar kind that needs an arbitrary keyword for its solution without the knowledge of which there is little hope of ever getting the answer and you give it up oh no indeed i shall solve it but we must find the word we need to make it clear End of chapter sixteen